It's unbelievable. Police find the suspect vehicle involved in the deadly hit-and-run crash of a Maple Ridge mother. A complete lack of vision of how to deal with a conflict that has been raging for seven years. Syrian Canadians calling the strikes against the Syrian regime long overdue. We can tell you anything about any, any game, any series, about any sport. And three more members of the Humboldt Broncos are laid to rest after last week's horrific crash. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening, glad you could join us tonight. We begin with the latest developments in the search for the driver who hit and killed a Maple Ridge mother before taking off. Police now say they've recovered the suspect vehicle involved in the crash. Julia Foy has details, including the possibility a witness was caught up in the collision. Senseless, inhumane. How do you do that? You know that you've hit something. Maple Ridge mom Stephanie Berezowski says her house guest, Tassus Vicks, was just going to pop out to a local store around 9.30 Thursday night, but she never made it. She was struck by a vehicle in the 21800 block of Lougheed Highway. The driver took off. There was no screeching, there was no stopping, there was no nothing, just zip. Ridge Meadow RCMP confirmed they've seized a vehicle which may be involved in the hit-and-run crash. The suspect vehicle has been located and that we are still currently investigating. Should anyone have dash cam cameras or anything that they may have seen at the time of the incident, whether right before, during, or after, we are still looking for any type of evidence they may have. Police would not confirm if they've arrested the suspect driver. But Berezowski believes there is a witness to the accident, a woman who was in a second car, which was allegedly damaged as the suspect driver rushed to leave the scene. From just what I've been seeing and hearing is that the driver hit Tass and, and probably the impact, this other vehicle sideswiped that one that was sitting in the middle lane. This section of Lougheed Highway has been the scene of at least five pedestrian collisions over the past decade. Neighbours want more lighting and crosswalks installed. It, it happens all the time. You see people running back and forth all the time, and cars don't care. Berezowski says Tassa's boyfriend, Stephen, and her beloved dog, Aaliyah, are devastated, and no one will rest until the person responsible for her death is arrested. Shock. It's shock. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Julia Foy, Global News. Now to the story dominating international headlines. U.S. President Donald Trump declaring mission accomplished one day after launching joint missile strikes with the U.K. and France against Syria. But the Pentagon admits while the Syrian regime's ability to use chemical weapons has been weakened, it has not been destroyed. The Pentagon says early morning missile strikes in Syria did what they were supposed to do. I'd use three words to describe this operation. Precise, overwhelming, and effective. President Trump on Twitter declaring mission accomplished after the U.S., Britain, and France launched more than 100 missiles by sea and air. Targeting what the U.S. says were three chemical weapons storage and research facilities near Damascus. Our message was crystal clear. The United States of America will not allow the Assad regime to continue to use chemical weapons. The strike, a message to Syria's President Bashar al-Assad, who the U.S. says killed dozens of his own people in a chemical weapons attack last week. Assad and his key ally Russia deny that attack even happened. In fact, the U.S. panders to the terrorists. 
Saturday, the U.N. Security Council rebuffed Russia's motion to condemn the U.S. missile attack. We call on Russia to take a hard look at the company it keeps and live up to its responsibilities as a permanent member of the council. The Pentagon says the missile struck the heart of Syria's chemical weapons program, but admits Assad likely still has some capacity to use poison gas as a weapon. Chris Pallone, NBC News. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says he supports the missile strikes, calling the suspected use of chemical weapons unacceptable. Meantime, Syrian Canadians who decided to give back to their new country today after being forced out of their homeland, saying the Western action is long overdue. Jill Bennett has that part of the story. Planned well before the airstrikes hit, Syrians who fled their home country for Canada took time to donate blood at clinics across the country, from Vancouver to Halifax. To show our appreciation and to show our gratitude. But many donating blood are paying close attention to reports coming out of Syria, images of destroyed targets after Friday's airstrikes. Or the international community should focus on uh, removing this regime from Syria because it's really the main factor that affects, I mean, the stabilities of Syria. Nothing is Mohammed al-Salah moved to Canada three years ago. He wonders why the conflict that has been ongoing for years is only getting this level of attention now. He also questions what message was sent. Yesterday sent only one message to the Syrian government. You have to stop. You cannot use chemical weapons against Syrian children. But you can use conventional weapons. You're okay to do that. And for that, I am so sad and I'm so disappointed. The strikes have the support of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau addressing them while in Peru. We will continue to work with our international partners to further investigate the use of chemical weapons in Syria and those responsible must be brought to justice. But while some argue the attack doesn't go far enough, this professor says it's an important first step. If this was to turn into another Saddam Hussein or Muammar Gaddafi, that is regime change, that would have clearly had much broader uh, implications and repercussions from Russia. It's a much more limited attack for the purpose of upholding an important international norm. Price says any deterrent of future attacks will save lives and could help to refocus the world's attention. Jill Bennett, Global News. To the prairies now, where three more victims of the Humboldt Broncos bus crash were laid to rest today. Sixteen people were killed, 13 others injured in last Friday's collision in Saskatchewan. The memorials come amid more calls for improved bus safety and growing support across Canada for the families of the Humboldt victims. Here's Kristen Robinson. Now if you would rise and give Logan a standing ovation. Inside the local hockey rink in Lethbridge, a standing ovation for Logan Boulay. 2,000 people packing a service for the 21-year-old Humboldt Broncos defenseman. We always had a smile regardless of the situation on the ice or wiping out on his bike when my son and him would go for bike rides. In death, Boulay saved six lives by donating his organs. It, it meant the most to me that I needed to come pay my respects. In Humboldt, hundreds remembering 41-year-old Broncos head coach Darcy Hogan as a mentor and friend to his young players. The life of the team's statistician, 18-year-old Brody Hines, also celebrated. Described as a gentle giant and numbers guy, Hines remembered for his volunteerism and love of sport. He was very smart. He could tell you anything about any, any game, any series, about any sport, the score and everything. He was... 
His love for it was amazing. The memorial's happening as the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey Playoffs resume in Nipawin, the town the Broncos were en route to for a semifinal playoff game before their bus collided with a truck on a rural Saskatchewan highway. The deadly crash raising questions about seatbelts on buses. Consultations are underway on a 2017 Transport Canada proposal to mandate seatbelts on medium and large highway buses. And a BCMP also now preparing a motion to have the Federal Standing Committee on Transportation study bus passenger safety. There are tens of thousands of kids in school buses every day across the country, especially in the rural areas, mm -hmm. and we owe it to them to take another look at this. We're still humbled strong. Meantime, hockey communities everywhere, including Terrace, which was named Hockeyville over Humboldt in 2009, continue to send their love. The BC City coming together to let Humboldt know it's not alone in healing. Things eventually do get better, and we'll all we'll be together with them. Kristen Robinson, Global News. The Humboldt Broncos thanking the GoFundMe organizer as the fundraiser surpasses $11.3 million. A law firm supporting the team's effort to quickly distribute the cash to families. A photo of the Stanley Cup was sent to Global News after it made the rounds in a Saskatoon hospital where members of the Humboldt Broncos continue to recover. The cup was brought to hospital by members of the Pittsburgh Penguins, last year's Stanley Cup champions. A bizarre incident outside VPD headquarters last night ended with the arrest of a 38-year-old man. Suspect taken into custody after he allegedly rammed his pickup into a Vancouver police cruiser. Police say it started when the man slowly pulled up in front of VPD headquarters before speeding around the block. The suspect is accused of blowing a stop sign on West 5th Ave, nearly hitting a cyclist before returning to police headquarters. That's when he allegedly put his vehicle in reverse and rammed the police car behind him. He was eventually taken into custody. There's no word yet on any motive. No one was hurt. All eyes will be on a summit in Ottawa tomorrow when the Prime Minister meets with our Premier and Albertas to try to resolve the impasse over the expansion of the Trans Mountain Pipeline. And we know what kind of mindset John Horgan is bringing to the table. Today he posted an opinion piece online which says, in part, we believe that people should have a say in the things that happen here. That's why we want to consult British Columbians about the transport of diluted bitumen over our rivers and streams by railcar, tanker or pipeline. Others disagree, and they have that right. So we're preparing a court reference to confirm our rights within our provincial jurisdiction. Prime Minister Trudeau spoke to reporters today in Peru about tomorrow's meeting before flying home. It became uh, very clear uh, that the uh, level of uh, polarization around this debate um, required uh, significant uh, measures. Uh, I wanted to be able to sit down with uh, the Premier of British Columbia, the Premier of Alberta together uh, and discuss issues of the national interest and demonstrate uh, the Prime Minister, the uh, federal government's commitment uh, to getting this project built. For more on what we can expect tomorrow, here's our Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry. Keith, the Premier is obviously choosing his words carefully and with purpose here. Yes, uh, very deliberately, uh, Jeff, and there's a reason for that. The, the word pipeline only appears once in 23 paragraphs in that online posting, and that's because it was revealed just this past week for the first time that on his first day in office, John Horgan got legal advice from government lawyers that his government had no legal ability to stop the uh, pipeline project and, in fact, was told uh, and was advised stopped even talking about stopping the pipeline. And that's why you hear John Horgan and his ministers now only talk 
not about stopping the pipeline, but about protecting the coastline. And that's what that online posting was about today, stressing the importance of marine safety and avoiding tanker spills. So the, the whole conversation has gone from being about a pipeline now to being about uh, tankers, at least from the BCNDP government's perspective. And that's the message John Horgan's taking into the meeting tomorrow. He's going to be talking about marine safety, not about pipelines. Keith, with the premiers and the prime minister meeting tomorrow, some might say at least they're talking. They're talking face to face. What do you think the chances are of a breakthrough of this impasse? Well, you know, I've been talking to both uh, the Horgan uh, people and Notley's crew as well, as well as federal officials. The the gap between Notley and Horgan is so profound. There's no way that's going to be uh, uh, the impasse is going to be uh, broken through tomorrow. And in fact, I just talked to the BC delegation. They've been told the meeting's only set down for something like 35 minutes. So this is a very quick uh, conversation that the, the prime minister is going to have with the two premiers. So that doesn't suggest any great breakthrough on any of the outstanding points. I think when they leave that meeting, Notley and Horgan are still going to be very much apart on their views of this project. And Justin Trudeau will still be committed to pushing this, this pipeline through. But increasingly, it looks like the only way it's going to get done is with Ottawa and Alberta perhaps joining together and building it themselves. And that still won't bring John Horgan on site. All right, five minutes. Thank you, Keith. That is Keith Baldry right. for us in Victoria this evening. Meantime, five people were arrested at the Kinder Morgan tank farm today in Burnaby. <laughs> Demonstrators, including Indigenous activists, marched to the gates and blocked them. They also held a feast in front of the gates. Organizers say no matter what happens after tomorrow's meeting between the PM and the premiers, they'll keep the pressure up by continuing to protest. We're still, you know, creating action and still choosing to blockade the gates, you know. Uh, there's still a lot of people that are concerned about this. We want to make sure we absolutely stop this pipeline. And I know there's decisions made and announcements made earlier in the week. Um, it creates, you know, some people are getting excited. I'm a little leery about what's going to come of it, but we're still going to continue doing our actions here and demonstrating, you know, how concerned we are and allowing people to join us. A proposed development in Vancouver is threatening the serenity of a sacred space. The Vancouver Hospice Society says the city needs to rethink its consideration of a 21-unit townhouse complex, one that would bring noise and disruption to a place where people often come to find peace. Nadia Stewart has more. So the proposed development here is uh, is a three-and-a-half-story building. It is the last thing Samantha Breezy and the Vancouver Hospice Society want to see, a 21-unit development overlooking their peaceful patio. We are concerned about the noise. We are concerned about the density. We're concerned about all that we have done uh, to create the hospice uh, and it, this development undermining all that. Over the past four years, this nondescript home has been a sanctuary for the dying. The Hospice Society helping families cope during the final days of their loved one's life. But they say this proposed development will rob this sacred space of its serenity. It's been pitched under the city's new affordable housing choices rezoning policy, one aimed at boosting supply of purpose-built rentals. Spot zoning is a very, very strange thing. One developer is going to benefit from the opportunity to build something large in an area, and people who are impacted around it are going to lose. We wonder why the city would want to do something like this to us and to this neighborhood. In an email, the city says it's early days for the proposal, adding it is aware of the proximity to the hospice. An open house is scheduled for April 19th. One of the outdoor spaces that we have here. But hospice management are calling for the city to rethink this townhouse development with compassion in mind. It's true, you can't pick your neighbors, 
but they say the city can pick a better neighborhood. We believe that this development is going to seriously and significantly affect the experience of patients and families here. There'll be so much noise from an early part of the day to late in the evening, dust, debris, the laneway. It sounds chaotic. I wonder how you could operate a hospice under those conditions. Nadia Stork, Global News. Welcome back. It's one of the biggest celebrations of the year on the South Asian calendar. Thousands heading out to southeast Vancouver today for the annual Vaisakhi Parade, which also featured food, music and dancing. It's one of the largest events outside of India to mark the inception of the Sikh faith. We, we try to make it to this one and the one in Surrey. Um, it's just, just getting out, enjoying. We wanted to check out the food and the celebration of theirs. The thing I love most about Vasaki is that we have people of all communities coming out around here. And it's a good way to inter- introduce people and, uh, and uh, show people what our faith is about and uh, how we believe in equality and sharing with the uh, people who are needy. A group of paddleboarders is taking on a marathon challenge this weekend in the fight against cancer. Starting this morning, relay teams are paddling for 24 hours in three different locations in the Lower Mainland. At David Lamb Park, Vanier Park and Deep Cove. The BC team joins other paddlers across the U.S. and Canada to raise funds for local families dealing with cancer. Organizers hope their efforts can help change some lives for the better. Uh, the money goes in $1,000 envelopes directly to the families. Uh, we are not a charity. Uh, we're not uh, donating anything to, to research. Uh, we go directly to the people that are dealing with cancer so that they can use it any way they wish. The enormous environmental nightmare caused by 60 billion paper coffee cups in North American landfills has been well documented. So staff at one small coffee shop in Kelowna are doing their part with their Hug a Mug campaign. Hi, can I get Americano, please? When it comes to coffee, one big table has got one big plan. We want to go paperless. That's right. No more non-recyclable paper coffee cups. And in order to do that, one big table needs... Ceramic mugs. So they've started the Hug a Mug campaign, asking people to donate their lightly used coffee mugs... So that one big table can give them away to patrons instead of the traditional paper coffee cup. The idea behind this is to get people to question their habits. With the goal being to live a less wasteful life. So far, coffee aficionados who enjoy the Joe at one big table seem to like the idea. I think it's fantastic. I actually prefer drinking out of a mug to begin with. And I think it promotes uh, helping the environment. However, Pichali realizes that going green may have some of his clients seeing red, but he sees that as a small price to pay. If we lose that sale, if people say, uh, we're not going to buy the coffee because uh, you know, it feels uncomfortable, it's, you know, I have to drive with it, that's, that's totally fine. There is uh, being seen down the street, there's another coffee shop down the street. Pichali says the Hug a Mug campaign is an opportunity for people to be the change they want to see. The question is, are you willing to put that effort into it? Is that a small action? And what we've learned is that small action can have incredible effects. So as of April 20th, one big table will go paperless, using only ceramic mugs to become more sustainable. Travis Lowe, Global News. All right. Yeah, it's a good idea. Lots of good ideas out there. It's a great idea. Absolutely. You know what would be a really great idea? <laughs> Spring.
<laughs> Sunshine, yeah, if it no felt rain, like just it. for a bit. Spring showers, spring yeah. April flowers, and we're hoping for that. Um, a wet one today, or wet, uh, especially towards the evening. We managed to see some few breaks, especially throughout the morning hours. Here's a glance at the satellite and radar, what we are seeing. So the next wave of moisture is going to push in. If you're heading out throughout the evening hours, anticipate that it'll come in waves. It'll be wet mostly for the evening and leading into the overnight. We should manage to get a few breaks for the morning hours. But we are looking at snow, a significant amount for a few spots. If you're heading along any of the mountain passes, I'll have some of those amounts and how long it'll last coming up shortly. All right, thanks, Yvonne. And in sports, it's playoff time. A lot of playoff time. Actually, you know what's going on right now? A lot of the Toronto teams are in the middle of everything. The uh, Raptors, good news for them. They won their opener, which has not happened a lot in the NBA playoffs for that franchise over the years. We'll take a look at their game one. Not going so well for the Leafs in uh, Boston. We'll take a look at that. And actually, TFC played today, too. So I'm not saying it's all Toronto all the time, but none of the Vancouver teams are playing. Although the Whitecats (laughs) played last night and they lost. We'll look back at that. There's a a heavy Toronto component. Yes, there is. Uh, They're they're the Canadian content tonight. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you soon. Coming up, winter mayhem in Ontario. A potentially, here we go, more Ontario, potentially historic ice storm pelts parts of the province, knocking up power and grounding flights. And Starbucks arrest the viral video. It's causing outrage in America. Stay with us. Welcome back. Rain, sleet and ice pellets hitting south-southern Ontario with a vengeance this weekend. As Erica Vella of Global Toronto reports, it's predicted to be one of the worst ice storms to sweep across the region in years. Instead of spring showers, it's a spring ice storm. Making a long winter feel even longer. So right now what we're doing is looking at a very unpredictable weather pattern. In Toronto, the Office of Emergency Management says they're doing everything in its power to take the storm on. We're looking at transportation issues, the hydro issues, forestry crew issues, and we're actually having a sense of what does it look like over the next 24, 48, 72 hours so we can see that whole, um, the whole thing, the whole situation. Because after the ice storm, we could have potential flooding. In 2013, a similar ice storm took over the GTA. And lessons learned from over four years ago are helping the city combat the weather today. Our team yesterday sat down and reviewed all the actions that happened out of the 2013 ice storm. The TTC also spent several days preparing for the storm. Really the streetcar network is the one that we're most concerned about with the overhead wires and, and ice buildup on those wires. So uh, for the last several days, um, starting around Wednesday or so, we, we began applying an, an anti-icing agent. And they have crews on standby to help keep streetcars moving if there are any issues. While the TTC is encouraging people to use public transit in this extreme weather, they're also asking people to be patient. Yeah, it's going to take you a little bit longer because we can only go as fast as the elements safely allow. But we'll get you there and we'll get you there safely. Toronto Hydro says with weather like this, outages are to be expected. A big thing to remember that if you do have an outage around you, think about your neighbours. If there's anybody that's vulnerable around you, check on them if you can, if it's safe to do do so. They say if you encounter any downed wires, stay back and report the incident to Toronto Hydro or call 911. Starbucks is apologizing after a viral video showing an arrest at one of its coffee shops in Philadelphia exploded online. You can see several officers arresting two black men who were quietly sitting at a table waiting on a friend who arrived just in time to capture the commotion on his cell phone. The incident reportedly started after the men asked for the bathroom code, but were told facilities were for paying customers only. 
Police say the men were arrested based on a report they were trespassing, but were let go after Starbucks decided not to prosecute. Russia has declared a state of emergency because of numerous wildfires. The fires are sweeping across a region in the country's far east. Officials saying they were caused by human activity. Local farmers have been clearing agricultural land to prepare it for the upcoming growing season by burning old crop debris and dried grass. Thousands of mourners gathered in a stadium in South Africa to bid farewell to the mother of the nation, Winnie Mandela. We are lucky to have witnessed her greatness, her courage, her fearlessness, and her strength. Let freedom reign. God bless Winnie Mandela. May you rest in the greatness of kingdom of God next to the most extraordinary people. I love you. Thank you. Naomi Campbell cried as she spoke at the official funeral of anti-apartheid icon who will be buried as a national hero. She fought to keep South Africa's anti-apartheid struggle in the spotlight while her husband Nelson Mandela was imprisoned. But her activism was marred by accusations of brutal treatment of suspected informers. She was 81. Sad news from the entertainment world today. Celebrated film director Milos Forman has died. Forman won two Oscars for Best Director for helming the classic films One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Amadeus, both of which also won Best Picture. Forman was originally born in Czechoslovakia, but was already a noted director before arriving in Hollywood in the late 1960s. He went on to direct other notable movies, including The People vs. Larry Flint and the Andy Kaufman biography Man on the Moon with Jim Carrey. He was 86 years old. The band Huey Lewis and the News is cancelling all of their shows this year while their frontman deals with the sudden loss of his hearing. Late singer Huey Lewis says he lost most of his hearing a few months ago before a show in Dallas. He says he can still hear talking one-on-one with someone or on the phone, but not well enough to sing. Lewis suspects he has Meniere's disease, a disorder of the inner ear. The band is best known for their 1980s hit, Power of Love. The University of Toronto study found that a 50% increase in the price of cigarettes could help millions around the world avoid poor health and extreme poverty. Researchers say such a tax hike would stop young people from starting to smoke in the first place and push low-income people to butt out. Well, coming up, a rare appearance by a beloved Canadian icon. What happened after this little beaver got way, way off course in Stanley Park? Stay with us. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Welcome back. There was a truly Canadian scene playing out this morning in Stanley Park. This beaver spotted way, way off course on the lawn of Stanley Park Pavilion in Vancouver's Crown Jewel. The large rodent struggling to find its way between Beaver Lake and Lost Lagoon. The confused beaver navigating sidewalks in the park before a group of concerned citizens helped it get across the road using the crosswalk, of course. Eventually, they got it back into Lost Lagoon. I mean, it was alarming that the thing was getting sort of increasingly uncomfortable and and confused, obviously. He insisted heading to Lost Lagoon, but he was being pushed towards the causeway. And we guided him right under the causeway. A few people joined in with us, so we had a little procession and saw him right back into Lost Lagoon, helped him across the road and uh, guided him down into the water. And off he went, and he was totally happy, totally comfortable. Yeah, he looked at ease, didn't you? 
Yvonne? Yeah, it's nice to see a happy ending. Absolutely. Was he looking for spring, maybe? Yeah, that could have been it as well. Um, we are looking at some wet weather pushing in. There was a bit of a break earlier on today. Starting to see the moisture for areas across the island. And for Metro Vancouver, it is going to come in waves, especially for the evening towards the west end. We've already got some showers starting to push in. And for the northern sections of the island, we are also looking even at the risk of a thunderstorm. Here's what we are seeing right now in our current tower cam. So overcast skies, that'll take us in towards the morning hours. But the rainfall will be heaviest for the evening and we are tracking snow for the mountain passes. We'll have more in just a moment. We're currently sitting at 10 degrees. Temperatures today got into the double digits, closer to the average for this time of the year with a high of 12 and the average for this time of the year sits closer to 13 degrees. A few other numbers across the province this evening. Whistler currently sitting at 7. Areas near Kamloops at 4. Cranbrook, good evening to you at 8 degrees and areas near Prince George with your current temperature sitting at 6. Here's the satellite and radar. So the moisture is going to continue for us across the southern half of the province. Zooming on out there, there's the big weather picture. The trough that's pushing in will continue to bring the instability with even a chance of shower for the afternoon developing once again. Wanted to draw your attention if you've got any traveling plans and you're heading in towards southern Ontario, we do have the risk of freezing rain still in effect. A winter storm warning for a few spots or significant amount of rain and very windy conditions. So if you are traveling, be sure to check for any flight cancellations. The following areas in blue, that's where we're seeing the risk of freezing rain and that's what we'll see continuing overnight and then changing over to rain by the afternoon for tomorrow but very windy conditions with the potential to see up to 80 kilometers per hour we'll take you back to the west coast so the rainfall going to continue we are looking at snowfall especially for the interior sections a bit of a break as we get in towards the morning tomorrow and then a chance of showers and more unsettled for the afternoon snowfall will be heaviest though if you're heading along the mountain passes for the evening hours and then changing over to flurries for tomorrow Kootenai Pass could see up to 15 centimeters. Rogers Pass at 10. Hope to merit along the Coquihalla, ranging between 5 and up to 10. And the connector looking at 5 centimeters of snowfall. Three-day forecast for the piece. Still looking at an additional 2 and up to 4 centimeters of snowfall, tapering off to a chance of flurries for tomorrow with some sunshine returning on your Tuesday. Whitehorse will see 2 centimeters of snowfall. This will be for the morning hours and then much drier. The return for some dry conditions for Monday and Tuesday. Coastal sections over the next two days, we are looking at some sunny breaks. Inland could still see a bit more cloud cover, but should remain dry. Caribou and Central Interior, 7 tomorrow with a mix of sun and cloud. Columbia and Kootenai region at 10 degrees. Higher elevation still seeing a chance of flurries for the morning hours. Similar for the Thompson Okanagan with the snow level sitting at 1,700 meters. Whistler at 9 tomorrow, mainly cloudy sky. Wet flurries for the morning hours on Monday and then changing over to a chance of showers. Sunshine returning on Tuesday across the island. We will see that rain for the evening hours and then a chance of showers tomorrow. Temperatures will be up to 11 degrees. For us across Metro Vancouver, we've got a blustery day tomorrow. Should be a drier start for us. A chance of showers will be for the afternoon. Monday unsettled, but it looks like we'll get back to some milder temperatures and some breaks on our Tuesday with a high of 12. uh, Jeff? (laughs) Looking forward to that. Thanks, Yvonne. The so-called yodeling boy found himself performing at one of the world's largest music festivals. There he is, 11-year-old Mason Ramsey, who went viral after he was seen performing in a Walmart store aisle in Illinois. Yesterday, he got his biggest break yet, singing in front of thousands at the Coachella Music Festival in California. Justin Bieber, among the celebrities seen enjoying his performance. And check this out. A Japanese engineer has built a 28-foot-tall humanoid robot. 
The Gundam giant robot is from an anime franchise. It weighs more than seven tons. It's equipped with a small cockpit. Its right arm is an air gun in the shape of a bazooka, able to shoot sponge balls at the speed of 86 miles per hour. It costs around $900 an hour to rent. It needs to be dismantled to get it out of the hangar. There you go. Well, coming up, Barry is here with sports, and we'll show you the goose that stole recess. Why kids at a Kansas school are being held up inside by a bird. Team Canada. There were 700 people that applied. Four who were chosen. The Invictus Games. They joined a team again. That brotherhood, that sisterhood, that band of brothers. Been really uplifting. Life-changing. Meet the squad Monday on Global News Hour at 6. All right, Barry's here with sports and uh, playoff time for a lot of teams. Not out this way, but... Uh... Yeah, just, well, just two Canadian teams. The Jets are obviously, obviously a great start, look dominant. Leafs got a bit of a tough start, and uh, it's going to be a challenge for yeah, those guys with uh, what happened to them over the last 24 hours. Thanks, Jeff. You know, the Maple Leafs had a tough enough task trying to beat the Boston Bruins in round one. Now they'll have to do it without Nazem Kadri for the next few games. Kadri was suspended for three games for his dangerous hit in Thursday's game one 5-1 loss. You want adversity, Leafs Nation? You got adversity. Game two going on right now in Boston. We've got highlights. Bruins, as mentioned, took the opener 5-1. They are notorious fast starters, and they did it again. Another strong start. David Pasternak settles the loose puck. Beautiful move on Freddie Anderson. 1-0 Boston. Now, the Leafs were shorthanded. Had a great chance to tie it. Kasperi Kapanen in alone. Great move on Rask. Rattles it off the post. Play continued moments after that. Rookie Jake DeBrusque strong on the stick with the redirection in front. 2-0 Boston. Bruins got another to chase Anderson from the net. Then on a power play, Rick Nash. This is why they got them at the trade deadline for the playoffs. Made it 4-0. The Leafs have got a couple. 5-2 Bruins right now mid-second period. Game two, Devils and Lightning. Tampa won the opener. Could Taylor Hall and the Devils respond? Second period tied at one. Alex Kalorn with the nice redirect there off the Nikita Kucherov pass. 2-1 Tampa. Then another deflection. This time, Tyler Johnson redirecting the Ryan McDonough point shot. That made it 3-1 for the Lightning. Tampa kind of faded a bit down the stretch, even though they finished uh, first in the conference, but looking better once the playoffs have started and then it's Kalorn again at secondary scoring. He's got three in the playoffs already. Tampa Bay now two up after the 5-3 win. Game two abs and Preds. Nashville took game one in Music City. Second period tied 1-1. Victor Arvidsson like Gila Fleur down the right side. You don't see those very often anymore. Winding and firing past Jonathan Bernay. 2-1 Nashville. Then it's Port Moody's Ryan Johansson chasing down the loose puck. That's a strong power move to beat Bernier. 3-1 Predators. But the Avalanche got it right back. Speaking of power, how about Nathan McKinnon? Look at that. Fends off the defender and then the slap backhander. Past uh, Pekka Rinne, 3-2 after two. Third period, Avs play the puck to their own bench during a change so they don't want to touch it for a too many men. That leads to all sorts of chaos and this goal by Austin Watson made it 4-2. They were up 5-3 after an empty netter, but Colorado got one more. Vancouver's Alex uh, Kerfoot with his first career NHL playoff goal, but that's as close as the Avs get. They lose 5-4. Predators lead the series 2-0. 
The Toronto Raptors won a franchise record 59 games this season. They're the top seed in the East, and with that comes pressure to have a long playoff run. The Raptors drawing the Washington Wizards in round one. It's a series the Raps should dominate, but Toronto's lost its last five game ones in series they've opened at home. The Raptor franchise, one in 12 all-time in game ones. They're not exactly fast starters, but that needs to change if they're going to make a run to their first NBA title. Raps number one fan Drake on hand, wearing Humboldt Broncos jersey, showing his support. Kyle Lowry, he's got to step it up in the playoffs after falling short a little bit in playoffs pass. Beautiful drive there. But the Wizards, who uh, kind of stumbled into the playoffs as the eight seed, playing it tough. John Wall to Mike Scott for the dunk on the inbounds pass. 59-55 Washington at the break. But in the third, DeMar DeRozan going to hit the floater. Wraps back up by one after 386-85. Fourth quarter, tight game, C.J. Miles. This is why they brought him in to hit the three. He hit four of them today. 103-96 with six to go. And then Lowry to Serge Ibaka for the finish. Ibaka led the way with 23 points. And the Raptors get that elusive game one victory. 114-106. Game two, goes Tuesday in Toronto. In the West, Golden State Warriors minus the injured Steph Curry for round one, taking on the San Antonio Spurs. Kevin Durant with the fast break, throws it down. Golden State likes to play fast, and they also dig the three ball. Clay Thompson, 11 of 13 from, uh, from the field, including 5 of 6 from distance. Warriors roll to a game one victory, 113-92. Still to come, Manchester City takes another step closer to clinching the English Premiership title and we'll look back at a rare Whitecaps home loss last night against Los Angeles FC. Stay with us. Luke Bryan is coming to BC Place. Luke will be on as What Makes You Country Tour with special guest Sam Hunt along with John Party and Carly Pierce. Tickets at LiveNation.com. Kick off the golf season with a Golf Surrey Pass. You can golf one round plus 15% off subsequent rounds at four courses including Hazelmere, Northview, Morgan Creek, and Peace Portal Golf Course. Pass is on sale now at golfsurrey.ca. For Our BC, I'm Yvonne Schell. Our BC is brought to you by Alpine Credits. Own your own home and need a loan? Get approved in less than 24 hours at alpinecredits.ca. Welcome back. The Whitecaps' 11-game home unbeaten streak was snapped uh, last night by expansion club LAFC. LA had allowed nine goals in its previous two games, and the Whitecaps were looking forward to adding to their misery last night. But an injury to striker Kai Kamara in practice Thursday meant Vancouver would be without its top scorer, and the Caps never really created anything in a 2-0 loss. Former Whitecap uh, Jordan Harvey with LAFC. Steven uh, Babishore, another former cap, also playing in L.A. this year. No score until the second half, and it is a brilliant strike by Carlos Vela, former Arsenal player. Made it 1-0. That came in the 59th, and then a bit of confusion in the white cap box. Uh, Marinovic and Kendall Waston kind of getting their signals crossed, and it they pay for it dearly as Diego Rossi scores. 2-0 the final. Disappointing for the Caps, who dropped to 3-3-1 on the season after the 2-0 home loss. You know, I won't fault the effort of the players. I thought the work rate was there. Uh, we weren't good enough on the day, uh, and that's my fault. That's my responsibility up at the team. Maybe got the team wrong. You know, we dealt with a couple of injury blows yesterday. 
uh, and it seemed to affect us. But at times during the season, we're going to have to ask players to step up. Today we did, uh, but we were beaten by a better team. So you have to accept that. And the Caps are at Sporting Kansas City next Friday. MLS today, the defending champs, Toronto FC, may be in the CONCACAF Champions League final, but their MLS play has suffered at Colorado today. And just a minute in, Jack Price gives the Rapids the 1-0 lead. TFC didn't play their top team with that first leg of the Champions League coming up Tuesday. So a lot of spare parts playing, and they really didn't have a whole lot of push. Rapids took advantage, seal it on this Penalty kick by Skelzen Gashi. 2-0 the final. TFC drop to 1-3. and three. English Premiership today. Man City at Wembley taking on Tottenham. 22nd minute. City who've uh, lost three in a row, including a couple in uh, Champions League and to Manchester United. But Gabriel Jesus scores there to make it 1-0. It was 2-0 City when Spurs get one back. Christian Eriksen making it 2-1 to one off the uh, nice feed from Harry Kane. But in the second half, Man City will put this one away. Raheem Sterling, after the ball bounces around a bit in the box, will fire it in on the rebound. 3-1 the final. So if Manchester United lose to last place West Brom tomorrow, Man City will clinch the title. Unlikely that will happen, but sooner or later they're going to win the championship. Liverpool playing very well right now into the Champions League semis versus Roma, taking on Burnmouth today in EPL action. Seventh minute, Sadio Mane. Couple of cracks at it, 1-0 Reds. And then Mohamed Salah just keeps scoring every game, it seems. That's his 30th of the year. He's just one short of the EPL single-season record of 31 set by Luis Suarez and Ronaldo. Liverpool at another and win it 3-0. Liverpool are solid third in the standings. Eden Hazard and Chelsea trying to keep their slim Champions League hopes alive. Dug themselves a deep hole today against Southampton. They were behind 2-0, but Chelsea with the massive comeback. 2-1 when Eden Hazard slams it in to tie it at 2. And then Olivier Giroud completes the comeback. He scored twice in this eight-minute span. 3-2 the final. Chelsea clinging to fifth. Seven points back at Spurs with just five to play. Some golf now. Final round of the LPGA's Lata Championship from Hawaii. Canada's Brooke Henderson beginning the day with a one-shot lead. At number three, Brooke with birdie gets it to ten under. And then at the ninth, shot lead. nice putt there for birdie. And right now she's at 11 under par, a two-shot lead with four to play as she looks for her sixth ever LPGA title. PGA Tour stop is the RBC Heritage from Hilton Head, South Carolina. How about the rejuvenation of Englishman Ian Poulter? Won his first stroke play event ever on the PGA Tour just a few weeks ago, and he might do it again this week. Birdie's the 12th, and then his approach at 13 is also very nice. To within about six feet led to another birdie. Poulter is the 54-hole leader at 13-under. No Canadians made the cut. Nick Taylor was in there but failed to make the weekend final round on Global tomorrow at 12.30. And the Blue Jays, if you're wondering, got rained out in Cleveland today. Oh, there you go. Thanks, Barry. Mm-hmm. And we will be right back. Stay with us. All right, welcome back. The spring weather is perfect for kids to get outside and play, usually. It's not raining too hard like it has been here, but uh, unfortunately some kids in Kansas have been forced to stay indoors for recess. And it's not the weather that's keeping them inside, it's an unwanted guest. Sun is shining. The wind is blowing. But where are the kids playing? Hello, Kelly. These youngsters are inside, 
riding down the slide and jumping away on a trampoline. But why? If we go outside, it will do this. Who will do that? Just peer over this window ledge and you'll see. It's looking at you guys. What is? A goose. The money. A goose protecting its eggs. You bet she is. The workers at Envision's Child Developmental Center say the protective goose migrated to their once garden bed about a week ago. Since then, she's taken up residency rent-free. I'm not shocked. It's, it's a really, she chose a good spot. It doesn't look like she plans on moving anytime soon. And the center can't evict her. Well, it's illegal to move her eggs. It's a federal offense until they hatch. Until that day comes, these kiddos will goof around inside, and their playground will remain untouched, with only an elephant a frog and a goose taking in the windy weather and sunshine. Uh, goose looks out. I like that kid's impression of the goose. Can you do that for us? Uh, I wasn't paying. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, the goose is taking advantage of the government rules. Yes. You cannot touch these eggs. I am. This is Those things home. can be vicious, too. Yes, they can. Well, on the golf course, you come across them, and they're, they're not happy. Uh, quick look at the weather. Uh, we are looking at the rain for this evening and then a bit of a break for tomorrow morning. All right. So we're going to go out tonight on the sights and sounds of Asaki, Vancouver. Thanks for watching.